Project Lawful aka Plane Crash by Arwain, aka Eliezer Yudkowski and Lintamande. Thread 1, Mad Investor Chaos and the Woman of Asmodeus. Episode 25? She slows down from a run before she enters the temple, because personally of interest to Asmodeus or not, Third Circle Wizards do not go running into his temples like their time is the most important thing around. Suddenly, she is terrified, but that's only because she's in line for some correction that is very sorely needed and will help her achieve her goals. Chiliax, for all that it is less lawful than some other very distant realms of existence, does not make a habit of missing ploys that are obvious even to Chiliax. Compared to instructions relayed by way of hell, a cleric who receives a direct divine revelation from Asmodeus will have received instruction that is more accurate, more precise, and much less able to be put into words for other mortals to hear. The project to extract extraplanar knowledge from Keltham was established based in part upon a vision from Asmodeus. The priest who received the vision from Asmodeus reported his best guess that there was a sense that Asmodeus thought their visitor was potentially valuable and not just being given unexplained protections. What else was in the message from Asmodeus? Was there anything else important not yet done? This tends to be very hard for recipients of visions to convey, if it is not blindingly obvious. The priest in question also headed up a world wound installation, was fifth circle, and had proven himself on lesser commands. Placing him in command of the Villa Project was another obvious bet. Ferrer Mayol himself, Fifth Circle Cleric of Asmodeus, is not currently enjoying himself quite so much as when he was fighting an endless horde of demons at the World Wound. The World Wound did not have alien teenagers being insane, direct orders from hell that are incredibly inexplicable, random wizard students getting oracled by Nethys, and way too many complications he is not allowed to set on fire until they shape up. Ferrer Mayol had not, until just today, appreciated the degree to which it is easier to fight an endless horde of demons compared to sending out a new top-priority message to Aspexia Rugatone every hour. He had quietly resolved to himself that he was very seriously going to consider whether the next such message should be batched in part to conserve his remaining supply of communication spells, and in part because he was worried about how Aspexia Rugaton was going to take his hourly interruptions. Of course, the next piece of news he got was about a fucking Otolman's event. When Ferrer Mayol is notified that Carissa Sevar wants to see the head priest, there is only one first thought which goes through his mind, which is, not again. Ferrer Mylol, the inner party, Yarwain Ferrer Mylol instructs that Carissa Sevar is to be shown to him at once, and fixes a very bland expression on his face. What is it? I understand it to be the will of Asmodeus that I get a better theological education, as if I were the inheriting daughter of a count. I have just spent an evening with Keltham, in which he kept asking questions that were extremely difficult to answer from within my present understanding of Asmodean theology, which I know to be deficient. He wants me to figure out my internal confusions promptly because he might not want to have sex with internally confused people and suggested I seek you out now, which is important because it means that this will all have to be very time-bounded 
and Keltham's expecting her back, except he wouldn't be that surprised, really, if straightening herself out took longer than expected, but it still wouldn't be ideal. Carissa needs to be smarter and not for the first time in the last three hours is really terrified. She will not live to acquire the headband that'll do it. At least Savar doesn't have any more brilliant ideas, such as her last one, which was that Ferrer Maillol's life wasn't going to be complicated enough unless he added an additional number of teenage girls to it. Prioritized for theological instruction as if you were a fourth-circle cleric, Maillol corrects sharply, and then pauses to reflect on whether he has violated Aspexia Rugaton's instructions for the gentle handling of Carissa Savar. No, She's seeking this of her own accord. Actually, he should check that if she's having trouble remembering Hell's instructions. Would you say you are not seeking this instruction of your own accord? Keltham is not a member of the church, but him suggesting you into it is ambiguous. My Lowell is unsure what he should make of Hell's instructions in that case. He really does not want to bother Aspexia Rugaton about it already. Keltham advised only that I use Dathalani techniques for thinking about confusing things. I realized that I needed someone who understands the thing Asmodeus communicated to me that I don't understand, and I told him I should talk to a cleric. That is good behavior. Ferrer Mylol gives her his least frightening smile, the smile that Asmodean priests give to the lesser people who do something church-approved. You may be unfortunately optimistic if you think that I will be able to entirely clarify Hell's message. Still, if you were given this affordance, it suggests that Asmodeus thinks some benefit may come of it. Seek instruction, then, if it is of your own accord, and I will assist you as our Lord commanded us. Nod. She is going to sound like an idiot. She's just going to ignore that and try anyway. If her idiocy is revealed then it can be corrected. I think Dath Ilani people genuinely understand law better than us. I think they're mostly lawful good and Keltham is lawful neutral, but their understanding of law is correct. In important ways, we weren't going to derive ourselves, and so there is a lawful evil version of it. And in class, I was trying to come up with it. And then I got the communication, she pulls out the scroll, Aspexia Rugaton gave her, reads it off so she can't be misremembering. Remember that you are not Irori. Do not think yourself likely to succeed in perfecting yourself without divine aid. Acknowledge the desires in yourself that have no place in Axis and accept that your rightful place is in Hell. And I think what was being very generously communicated by mentioning Irori and Axis was that I was borrowing too much from Keltham, who is lawful neutral, and that I don't truly understand the nature of evil, and so the thing I was building wouldn't have been of any value. It would have been missing something Asmodeus wants, but presumably I am capable of learning it, or he'd just have let me get it wrong and accidentally make myself worthless. Do you have any idea what it might be? Ferrer Maillol's first thought is the obvious one that he hopes this new brilliant idea of Sevar's works out better for him than her one about providing Keltham with lots of girls, one of whom gets oracled by Nethys. Though, of course, that wasn't her decision. 
and the Church of Asmodeus is not confused about who bears the real responsibility. His second thought is about a distinction he was warned about, that they've been instructed to prioritize Savar as if she were Asmodeus's own fourth-circle cleric, not to answer as if she were one. It rules out the obvious answer he'd give to a fourth-circle Asmodean cleric standing nearby and asking what Savar was missing. Still, Asmodeus's language to Savar, if it wasn't just poorly translated by hell, suggests that Savar has the kind of soul that Asmodeus actually wants, if he can win it in this contest with Irori, or whatever is actually going on here. He is not to try to guess and be helpful in a way that pushes the edges of Hell's orders. The Grand High Priestess was quite clear on that. He will then answer as he might answer somebody who was considered to have enough potential, that Asmodeus might choose them to be a cleric, perhaps, though not yet chosen, or as he might answer a promising heiress of Shilish nobility. People in Chiliacs register as lawful and as evil and worship no lawful evil god other than Asmodeus or his subordinates. This suffices for much of Asmodeus's purpose, as it brings those souls to hell's standard gate, which Asmodeus has already conquered and so into his ownership for further refinement. We do not ask most people to understand what lawful evil really is let alone what would distinguish Asmodeus from Zonkuthon within lawful evil. Most people do not, in fact, need to understand this. They do not possess the nature that marks them as potentially one of Asmodeus's own, instead of just the masses who must be coerced to lawfulness out of fear and who end up registering as evil, because that is what the rules make of conducting yourself in ways not completely absurd. Yusivar might have the potential to become one of Asmodeus's own, not just lawful and evil, or so our Lord's instructions to you suggest. You are, I think, being invited to join the inner circle, and I am not expecting you to already understand what that truly means because it is not something we bother trying to teach most third circle wizards. So the question I'm about to ask is not a test of loyalty, but a test for whether you belong in the beginner classroom or the advanced one. What have you already grasped, if anything, of the difference between lawful evil and Asmodeanism? What makes Chiliacs an Asmodean country and not just a lawful evil one? Ah, which is completely unreasonable, because this is about as gentle an introduction as she could possibly have hoped for. She has never considered the question before, but she is a day of Dothilan better at thinking than anyone else in Chelyax, and would like to show it, ideally. The part of that which sounds easiest is the difference between Asmodeus and Zonkuthon, she says. Zonkuthon intrinsically values suffering more, I think. If everyone in the universe were, uh, constantly being creatively tortured— Zon Kuthon would be entirely pleased by that. And Hell, ruled by Asmodeus, isn't like that. There'd lots of torture, but there is. The opportunity to not be tortured. The opportunity to be such a high performer that you are satisfactory. The opportunity to be doing the torturing. The opportunity to be deciding who is tortured. Asmodeus wants. Some features of Hell, other than the suffering... I mean, in addition to the suffering, I know the suffering's important. These are guesses. Maybe Asmodeus values people having the experience of 
their suffering being related to qualities they have, knowing you are suffering because of your own conduct and choices, not just at unlucky random. Maybe as Modius values people striving to avoid further torture, or some of the things they do while they're trying to avoid further torture, or, uh, them becoming more like him in becoming more the kind of entity who'd run, hell the way he runs it. Maybe he values people being rewarded when they've earned it. Maybe he values earning it feels like a natural category. Here, if I had to guess, I would guess that Asmodeus values people earning features of their situation through their actions or their fundamental nature. Oh, the strongest counter-argument I can think of to that is that it's too lawful neutral again? To each their just rewards is not right, as a description of Asmodeus. But there are other ways for there to be a relationship between your actions and what happens to you. Satisfactory for someone who was never taught. Beginner's classroom, but a thinking beginner. The primary domains of Asmodeus are tyranny, slavery, compacts, and pride. Tyranny is not just rulership. Slavery is not just obedience. Compacts are not just deals. Pride is not just having a high opinion of yourself. For Zonkuthon, the object of torture is torture. For Asmodeus, the object of torture is not only the benefit Asmodeus gains when people obey. The object of torture is that Cheliax be a tyranny, not just a farm from which Asmodeus extracts a maximum yield of wheat. Tyranny, as Asmodeus sees it, requires tyrants, not just a single decider at the top, but deciders all through the system who enforce obedience with whip and pain. He is a lawful evil god. The tyrants are there to enforce rules and not just to do as they please. They are subject to rules themselves. We are taught, we Asmodeus' own clerics, not the common people, that Asmodeus holds the key of Rovagug's prison, fitting a lock that Abadar made so that Asmodeus alone could open it. Why Asmodeus? Because Asmodeus alone can be trusted by Phrasma that, even after he conquers every plane and every part of reality, Asmodeus will never seek to displace Phrasma herself. Phrasma is the one who made the rules that send people to the hell that Asmodeus governs. Because Phrasma exists, Asmodeus is just enforcing the rules that she made when he tortures a soul in hell. He is being lawful evil, and not just evil. He is being tyrannical, and not just sadistic. Asmodeus is the one god who cannot exist as himself without a pharasma above him, to set him in place and define the system he enforces. And that was why he alone is entrusted to hold Rovagug's key. He, too, is only following his orders, each time he receives a new soul into hell's embrace. The language we are speaking is ill-suited to such distinctions, because mortals are ill-suited to understanding them and you should not read too much into how we mortals flail for one mortal concept or another. To Asmodeus, to a greater devil, the shape of the meaning is precise. There are many souls in Chaliacs who would rather hold the whip themselves than be the one whipped. That does not make them Asmodean. It makes them selfish. There are many souls in Chaliacs who would enjoy holding the whip, because they are sadists, because they delight in causing others pain and crushing them below. 
That doesn't make them Asmodeuses rather than Zonkuthans, but some souls in Chaliacs enjoy holding the whip more when they are doing it to enforce the rules. You might even say that they need there to be rules and need there to be some higher tyrant above them so that they are being more than just sadists. If those souls have enough potential to be worth empowering, Asmodeus chooses them for his own, to be his cleric, and grants to them his domain of tyranny. To delight in tyranny is not mandatory to be one of Asmodeus's own. The devil you met this day may have had no joy in tyranny. For all we know, he was not a devil who had other devils beneath him. But when he was mortal, he must have already delighted in the compacts that Asmodeus delights in by which the wheels of law turn to crush one party or another to the contract beneath them. He was not just lawful and evil, but delighted in law, turned to the purposes of evil. And because of that, after his death and through his suffering, he was elevated and raised to the status of a greater devil, and kept that part of himself which was pleasing to Asmodeus. As he was one of us in his mortal life, so he is now part of the inner ring in hell. Tyranny, not just rulership, slavery, not just obedience, compacts, not just deals, pride, not just self-value. Maybe all of those will appeal to you, maybe only one, but you must have great potential for at least one, if I am not entirely mistaken about the meaning of hell's translated will of Asmodeus, conveyed to you. It feels so far from something she could translate for Keltham, but all true things can be said in the same language, so there is a way, there is a version of this, written in Dath Ilan's style of thought, which she can understand and embody. Should it be obvious to me, which one, just by thinking about it? Perhaps not. I doubt that Asmodeus would have bothered to instruct you to seek out those elements of your own soul, or for us to assist you, if it was a ten-minute job. Competent natural tyrants are the most useful members of the inner circle and we try to give every intelligent chelish citizen a chance to enforce some rules with a whip to let them discover that tendency, if they have it. If you rise high within this world, you will discover very rapidly that the number of competent Asmodean managers you can find to help run your operations is an extreme check on your ambitions. It is plausibly the limiting factor for the entire chelish state. Slave masters and lawyers are not nearly so much in demand. Pride tends to be expensive in multiple ways, and not just financially, so it is largely the domain of nobles or the very wealthy, who by their own nature cannot be too numerous relative to the general population. Outside of tyranny, then, you may lack first-hand experience with other elements of Asmodeus's domain, as experienced by the insiders. Do you wish to hear my guess about your Asmodean potentials? It seems to me that there is a tension between Asmodeus's instructions to me that we are to assist you if you seek instruction, and Asmodeus's instructions to you that you are to find that part of yourself. My own resolution of the tension would be that I should answer if you ask, because I am to concern myself with Asmodeus's instructions to myself, which say that I am to assist you and not with weighing Asmodeus's instructions to you. I do want to hear your guess. I think I would benefit from knowing where to look, even if I am meant to find it on my own. Pride and slavery. 
You ask to be prettier as the first element of your shopping list, the part of hell which your attention naturally focused upon was the slavery there, the precise structures of pain and obedience. What is pride if it's not just, what had he said, not just a high opinion of yourself? Does she have a high opinion of hers? Yes, yes, she does. Pride is the aspect of Asmodeus that Ferrer Mayol understands the least well himself, which is unfortunate for him because the greater devils all seem to possess pride in abundance. And it's a good guess that having that much feeling about yourself and your place for hell's tortures to perfect into precisely Asmodean pride is part of what helps you stay yourself through hell. The way in which hereditary nobles seem to end up as higher devils after their death despite what Ferrer Mylol would privately term some severe deficits of other competence, would seem to bear this out, unless it's just the sort of unfairness in which the tyrant so delights. He answers, then, from textbook and catechism. It is, obviously, a God concept, and not one which mortal concepts are very apt to describe. It may help to remember that this is a lawful evil domain, and many things that mortals think of with the usual word pride are neither lawful nor evil, to say nothing of law that does evil or evil that upholds law. The lawful aspect of Asmodean pride is that it is bound up with having a place within Asmodeus's tyranny, and which that tyranny has assigned to you. The evil aspect of it is that it is yours, and you defend it, and you will crush others to defend it. By doing this, you enforce the structures of the tyranny and keep others in their place below you. It is evil turned to the purposes of law. One seeks to climb the ranks of the tyranny, but within the tyranny, and by this the strong rise and the tyranny itself is strengthened. Uh, those with deep Asmodean senses of pride have a felt sense of the order of the universe itself being disrupted. When somebody fails to give them their due, or when people weaker than themselves seem to be raised above them. They are not simply defending themselves from insult or seizing an opportunity to take somebody else's position. They are restoring the order of the tyranny itself in face of the disorder that is a weak, unworthy person occupying a position of power or esteem. Do you just want to be prettier, Carissa? Or do you have a sense that there is an order within the universe that is offended if people weaker than you, less deserving than you, get to be pretty and you don't? Thinking that people ought to look at you and see how much you matter, that you matter more than them? Is that the right sort of thing? Yes, though, do not omit the idea of grandeur. Ferrer Mylol taps the robes he is wearing of a fifth circle cleric of Asmodeus, magical cloth of the highest quality with gold, and with rubies. These vestments do not simply inform others of my place. They are grand, expensive, rare, enviable, difficult for others to obtain. They embody what it means for me to have risen high in Shaliacs. They do not simply inform others of the fact. Do you just want people to know the truth that you matter more than them? Or do you want to walk into a ballroom full of higher nobility and watch the fearful ones slink away from you and the ambitious ones flock to court you, and the ignorant wonder who you are to matter so much more than themselves. Do you just want others to know you're important or hammer the existence of Carissa Sabar into your lessers, like striking them down with a mace? Carissa really, really, really wants to know how Keltham would answer that question. 
I want that, she says instead, dragging her thoughts away from Keltham and to imagining it. I want people to be jealous of me and to aspire to be me and to despair at how they're not good enough to be me. Not of itself sufficient for our inner circle, but I doubt given Asmodeus's instructions that he expected you to learn your place in hell and join his most treasured possessions with only a moment's thought and a word of advice. My duty to Asmodeus also bids me warn you, pride is the domain of Asmodeus where I hold the least expertise. If a fourth circle cleric had questions I could not answer there, while about Asmodeus's business, they might need to wait upon a visit from a higher circle cleric to answer in my place. That Ferrer is so quick to think of his duty to Asmodeus, there may reflect his own lack of pride, though how that is a failure to enforce his own place within the tyranny or its laws is lost on him. It doesn't seem exactly the thing that a devil in his position would do, though the devils wouldn't ignore their duty to Asmodeus either. They would disclaim their own lack of expertise with more grandeur, somehow. And Ferrer Mallol is aware that in reality most of his grandeur comes from his vestments and his ability to kill people who annoy him. Does he not want people to envy him? Or just have enough of the thing that's not sufficient as... Okay, I think I can productively work on that one alone, though I would be grateful for advice if you have it. She's going to have to be so proactive about seeking out their help. Given the rule, they can't just tell her when she obviously needs it. And maybe on slavery? What are the signs of having potential at that one? You are obviously interested in it, and I doubt you are interested in it for purposes of stamping it out like a paladin of Iomedy. You skipped right over the question of how we raise mortal slaves in Chaliacs and went straight to the more interesting tortures in Hell wondering exactly how they were designed to suit which purposes of Asmodeus. Ferrer Mylol gives her now the sort of conspiratorial smile that he'd give to an up-and-coming new member of the Inner Ring, an entire aspect of Asmodean theology whose details Sevar has not yet inquired into, and which she probably isn't ready for. I haven't any trouble imagining you a thousand years hence, as a baron of hell overseeing the refinement of thousands of fresh mortals, or maybe even a duke of hell set to raise the highest of future devils from the most promising candidates. Though you will be more immediately useful to our lord if you can train valuable slaves for him here, keeping in mind that we are all our lord's slaves. Don't only think of collared wretches dredging the streets, if training them for sale doesn't seem grand enough to suit you. Do you find yourself inspired to teach a new generation of wizards, perhaps? And if so, would you rather teach them in Last Wall, under whatever absurd restrictions hold there, or in Cheliacs, where you are free to punish and reward as you please, where mortals are your raw material to be freely crafted so long as you deliver results? I want, I want to figure out what Dath Island but Asmodean is, and I want to prove that it makes better wizards and better soldiers and better devils eventually. Ferrer Mayol chuckles in a way that is only 95% humorless, for infinity percent more humor than he uses on most occasions. Savar, there are certainly a thousand subtle refinements of the notion of Asmodean slavery beyond that, 
But don't overlook that. If you set out to produce better wizards, soldiers, and devils by any useful means, and without a hundred mad restrictions preventing you from doing it properly, paladins of Iomade will call you a slaver and try to stop you. If our Lord demanded that people comprehend the exact full meaning of his domains before he would choose a cleric of the first circle, he would have no clerics in this world. I'm not tempted by good, she says which is more candid than she's ever even contemplated being with a superior, but if she needs correcting, she needs correcting. She's not trying to avoid that at this point. Good is stupid, and if you try to do anything ambitious, it'll be evil. I know that. I acknowledge myself to being susceptible to ending up neutral accidentally, but it's not. Squeamishness, or thinking that it's important people have a nice time while they're learning things. It's Modeling Keltham too closely, probably. My job right now is half trying to understand Keltham and half not to be a heretic while I'm doing it. I am sure I'm pointed in the wrong direction somewhere, but I'm not pointed in. Thinking children should decide whether they go to school or spend all day lounging around eating sweets. And I know we're all children. If it seems stupidly obvious to you that slavery is the way to go, Sevar, that is not unsuggestive of an aptitude for it. Hell's relayed instructions seem to me to suggest that you are in danger of heresy primarily because you have not found within yourself the desires that would keep you out of Axis. Faramilo taps his fingers on his thigh so that Savar knows he's thinking and doesn't try to interrupt him. There were some interesting points in Savar's file drawn from her mind being read. He wouldn't ordinarily say this part. It has been sometimes known to confuse even first-circle clerics. But Savar may need to know. There's a story not commonly told to Asmodean clerics before they reach second circle. Except in special cases, but you may possibly be one of those cases. After I tell it to you, you are not to repeat it to anyone, not at least a second-circle cleric of Asmodeus, including high nobility of Chiliacs. Security will know better than to repeat it if they read it from your thoughts, and it is already the case that nobody is allowed to read your mind unless they are at clearance levels far above the ones you used to have. Clear? Yes. There was once a well-hushed scandal concerning a certain ordinary baroness who was found to have been keeping, as a bed-slave, a man who'd been chosen as a first-circle cleric of Asmodeus. She kept him after his choosing. Tell me. What do you suppose happened after that? I assume if the answer were she was punished because that's presumably illegal, then you wouldn't be telling me this as an important story. Was she promoted? So the arrangement wasn't a problem? Illegal doesn't begin to cover it. There was an immediate massive clampdown on the entire event as fast as word could be passed upward. As people saw the potential for conflict between church and queen, over the details of how to handle it. The baroness in question, who was in my own personal opinion something of an absolute idiot, seemed to feel that she'd done nothing wrong, since the cleric himself had never said that Asmodeus didn't want her to go on keeping him. An ensuing investigation turned up the puzzling fact that this new cleric had no visible aptitude for tyrannizing others, nor for crafting slaves, nor for executing compacts and he definitely had no visible pride. 
This, of course, made our Lord's mysterious action all the more potentially important to understand, if it was not done for any of the usual reasons. The answer in the end was that the man had no aptitude for tyrannizing others, but that he felt on a truly deep level that it was right for him to be tyrannized. He had no aptitude as a slave-master, but felt that it was very right and proper for him to be a slave. He had no aptitude for contracts, but felt that all was right with the world when his baroness was forcing him into grossly unfair bargains in her bed-games. He understood the order of society that underlies pride, and saw his own place was at the bottom of it. This, we think, is why Asmodeus chose him, though Asmodeus made no revelations on that subject. It is not just a lie told to the masses, if you were ever wondering about that, that Asmodeus has been known to treasure some of his possessions as things beautiful to him in themselves, and not just for the uses that we have to him. So far as we know, the man was not being very useful to Asmodeus before or after he became his cleric. He had simply earned Asmodeus's favor by having a rare nature pleasing to his sight. The bed-slave cleric was purchased for a high price, resold to a more trustworthy noble at a vastly higher price, and afterwards the baroness in question seems to have been assassinated by no known party. The entire matter stays swept firmly into the corners, because if it became known, idiots would derive the wrong lesson about what nobles are allowed to do to our Lord's clerics. I mention this in case any of your own desires lie in the opposite polarity from the vantage point that nobles usually take. It also shows that Asmodeus's domains can be subtle things, even in their largest directions. You would not know all about them from hearing the four concepts listed out. There should be desires in you that are pleasing to our Lord and will prevent you from falling into heresy. You should not cast too narrow an eye when it comes to looking for those desires, I suggest. Asmodeus would not have given such weighty instructions if the matter was going to be simple. It is in particular obvious to him that Sevar may perhaps have the nature of a slave rather than a slaver, given some of the thoughts recorded in her file. Ferrer Maillol is not certain he should spell this out directly. Is it a problem if I let Keltham hit me? I haven't, but should it come up? Oh, there are quite a number of clerics and loyal nobles like that in the hidden behind the scenes of Chiliacs, though that nature is not, by itself, sufficient for full admission. I would expect so, because there's not that much of a gender discrepancy in the hierarchy, and there is, in liking, sorry. Never mind. I'll keep that in mind. I, obviously everyone is supposed to be grateful to be the possession of Asmodeus, and I don't know how to tell if one is more grateful than average. If you have even once in your life sincerely thought that you wished to burn in the purifying flames of hell and emerge perfected, I think you are a step ahead of the general peasantry, Ferrer Maillol says dryly. I am not looking forwards to it, in fact though I would not say as much to anyone who didn't have a note in their file about having apparently sincerely thought what you did. At our level, in our inner fellowship, it is not demanded of us that we pretend that the fates Phorasma assigned us are the fates we would have chosen for ourselves. We live inside an absolute and inescapable greater tyranny, all of us, from Cheliacs to Lastwall, from slaves to the gods of good. Most people have no natural response to that except for endless whining and complaining, 
and living in denial until lawful evil inevitably conquers everything that isn't lawful evil. Some of us are born with something that is native to the plane we live in, that can push along the tyranny rather than being swept away struggling. That's why we get to wear pretty rubies on our robes and burn in hell for a shorter time and come out of it as higher devils. And we're not just playing the game because we want a better score in it. It's our game. We'd play it even if Asmodeus wasn't there. It's that quality, not feeling grateful for Asmodeus having to force us into it, that makes us the favorite of Asmodeus and recognized as his own. Though that's all inner ring theology and part of his own favored concern of tyranny, which he should maybe not emphasize as much if Savar hasn't a visible aptitude for it. She indeed is slightly confused by that. May I take notes? If you wish to support the production of this AI-voiced reading of Plane Crash, please visit patreon.com slash askwhocastsai. Any help is appreciated.